Breaking news in the NBA, it turns out the Warriors are still pretty damn good without Kevin Durant as the Eastern Conference also continues to play out while no one can win on the road. The Stanley Cup is getting ready to begin as well, and Magic Johnson just destroyed the entire Lakers organization. This is the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. Stay tuned. middle of the week we haven't talked for i guess about a week it is like middle of summer weather down here though it's like what 92 degrees today i think yeah that's gonna be 90 plus all memorial weekend here in west by god virginia it's gonna be hot that's for sure but i do know this much today's show i believe is brought to you by los agaves mexican restaurant and their two pitchers of beer right oh absolutely and their donkey out front which is they welcome everyone to get their picture with have a donkey out front oh absolutely it's the attraction i typically don't go to dunbar for many things i don't know if i'd go there for mexican but you did mention a stellar deal so i felt like i had to bring it up if you don't go for the pitcher definitely go for the donkey go for the donkey please uh, I still enjoy whiskey taco with a giant, you know, oh. ten foot tall luchador. Yeah, yeah. His leg is the size that I am, and I'm six one, you know, two hundred fifty pounds. Well, it's the same concept as a luchador. Everyone poses with that, and uh, they have a step like it's like a three step uh, stepping stool, and everyone gets up behind and rides the donkey, man. So I love it. I mean, everyone loves it. Wasn't that like a coffee commercial back in the day? Yeah, it was a coffee commercial, I yeah, believe. Something like that. Oh, well, well, now that we got a chance to talk about how divine our weather is, Biggie, how is uh, hell? Um, I saw the sun for three hours on Sunday. Did it really snow last weekend? Yes, it did. They got five inches west of me. Of course, so, melted now as it's been in the 50s. But, uh, yes, May, what was it, 17th or 18th? West of me, about an hour, got five inches of snow. So we're approaching Memorial Day weekend, and y- you can legitimately say that like you live in six months of winter, and like it's it's just normal for you, right? Dude, yeah. I, I yeah, talked to some. Hey, too. I talked to somebody from St. Paul, Minnesota today. Yeah, and I mentioned, hey, I got a really good buddy of mine that lives in North Dakota, and he was like, "Oh, that's just a different level." Really, <laughs> Minnesota's <laughs> oh, yeah. saying that. Yeah, Minnesota looks at North Dakota, going, "Damn, and people are crazy." Oh, nice. Yep. So there's so a reason that North Dakota's in the top part of the uh, alcohol consumption chart in the <laughs> United States every year. Uh, I weather. can understand that. Depression's a terrible thing. Yeah. So speaking of depression, you know, since since we last got a chance to talk, I, I could definitely say the Portland Trailblazer fans are, are going through a, a mild stage of depression, or maybe you know, not able to live in the inevitable reality that that was the the domination of the KD-less Golden State Warriors. And I know we're kind of eating crow a little bit because I, I know I know Mr. Brown specifically, you, you were not thinking Curry was up to the task. I don't even know what to think anymore. I feel like the NBA is rigged like everyone says it is because every, Portland was a huge darling coming off of you know that, that series win. And now... They go up against the Warriors without KD. You're thinking they can hang tight and do their thing and maybe push it to six games, seven games, maybe even win if everything went like according to plan. But what happened was Mr. Biggs, you know, he wants to stick his chest out and, and, and 
glow, like a little schoolgirl, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but uh, he's like, I told you so. Well, I didn't think he had enough in him, but what happened was we poked the sleeping bear that is known as Steph Curry, and he came and made me look like a fool. Nation's over. And him and between him and Clay and Draymond, they're like, listen, we won a championship for KD. Yeah, it's nice having KD to make it convenient and we can take plays off, but if we got to step up, we'll step up and we'll still beat everybody. And that's what they did. I mean, that might have been the best series Draymond Green's ever played. Yeah. I mean, he he was phenomenal. Clay Thompson kind of did his thing. But, you know, I, I think that a lot of us at Biggie, I think you wanted me to try to post something, or we did post something about the forgot about Dre in reference to Steph Curry. And that, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what, what it was. You know, we, we're, we got spoiled by how good the Warriors are. That that you kind of take for granted because KD very well may be the best player on the planet. Like you can make that argument. I think their ball movement is a hundred percent better without KD oh, because they're a different team to watch. They got to work for it, and like you just don't like dribble down the court and give it to KD and say do something with There's it. There's no ISO now. They're freaking moving the ball like a well-oiled machine, and they do look like a better team, but they're really not. Let's be real, talent-wise. Well, I mean, let's talk about that real quick though, because you know we we shut that down early and said there, there's no way you're a better team without KD. But that was before they just swept the Blazers, and now you're hearing a lot of people bring that up a little bit more and a little bit a little bit more frequent. You're hearing people say, "Well, it just might be," and I think it's because you know people fell in love with the Warriors, and then KD went there, then everybody hated him. Without KD. It's like people fell in love with the Warriors all over again. You're right. That's what you just said, Chad. I hate how people talk about building a super team. With Katie went there, everybody kind of jumped on the I hate the Warriors. We're so good. Had to add Katie to become a super team. Dre, Clay, Steph, they drafted well. Don't hate on them. Steph with five straight 30-point games since Katie went down. 23 in the fourth to close out the Rockets on the road. That's what MVPs do. That's what great players do. I think that they're a lot more fun to watch without KD because there's less iso ball. It's such a good ball movement. But I don't know. I just I would have a hard time with any of these people saying, oh, they're better without the guy who's probably the best player in the world. I mean, it shows you literally how much Steph has deferred to KD over these last couple of years. It showed you that he was like honestly ultimate, team ultimate teammate and showed that I'll do whatever I need to make my team win. If as long as I keep getting my rings, I don't care. But Steph has ultimately like just said, Hey, you're you're the alpha, you know, here and take it. But, you know, I'm still the alpha too if I need to be. I mean, it's still a guy that averaged over twenty seven points a game this year. Right. I mean, he's still an MVP candidate. Two times, unanimous MVP, the guy that has changed the game. Who who has revolutionized the way? What what were you saying before he came into the league? No team, only one team shot over twenty threes. That was for Steph, yeah. And now everybody does. And now every team does in the whole league within ten years. I mean, he there there are guys that are good players. Like you you could you could make the argument and say that Michael Jordan. All three of us say he's the greatest of all time, but did he really change the game? No, he just dominated it. Yeah, know? exactly. The only thing he changed really was like the uh, the brand, the oh, marketing, yeah. and the shoe game. Absolutely, that, that was game changing. Steph actually changed the game itself. How it's played. Exactly. At There's every, a big difference at every level. And I'm a Jordan fan, but they changed the game in different ways. MJ changed Jordan. the game 
as far as the shoe game and how he dominated and made it a global brand. Steph made yep. it change the game where now everyone all the way up from youth basketball all the way up through college ball is fundamentally looking for the three-pointer as opposed to the mid-range game. That's well said. Because Jordan made it a global brand where everybody in the world, he became the most famous athlete on the planet after Muhammad Ali for a guy who played all of his games in the United States. But how he played the game athletically didn't change. He dominated within the game. Steph Curry has changed how half the league approaches the game, who they want to play, analytics, you know, threes and layups, all that kind of stuff. That's all because of Curry. Well, even on top of that, like, you know, you look at a sport like baseball and baseball is one of those sports where it doesn't matter how big you are or, or athletic or anything like that. If you can find your skill set, you can excel there. Basketball is a little different. You know, you've always rewarded the people that have height, that, that can jump out of the gym and things like that. And Curry, you know, looks like, I mean, I think he's 6'2", 6'3", but he yeah. looks like he's 5'5 five, five out there. You know, he's built smaller than all these guys. Like, he has given a hope to an entire generation that, hey, if I can just develop my skill set, I can be good. And, and, you know, I'm I'm all about the love affair uh, with with Steph Curry. I love talking about I think he plays the game the right way. You know, he he's kind of, even though he's a multi-time MVP, He's kind of that guy you want to root for. I, I want to see him do well. But let me ask you this, though. How much of this, I know it was the Western Conference Finals, but how much of this was the Warriors just reminding everybody who they were, or did the Blazers just lay a giant egg? I think it's a combination of the two. Warriors were hitting on all cylinders. They had a little chip on their shoulder for a team that's a defending champ with KD going down and these guys can't play and what are they going to do and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Draymond Green with his whole lost 25 pounds in the last few months. He's ready to ball, throwing up triple doubles. And then on the other side of it, Portland kind of had went on a high note for as long as they could. Damian Lillard got worse each series deeper into the playoffs. Oh, they peaked early. Yeah. If you said this stat by itself, the Warriors trailed for 101 minutes in that series and only led 83 minutes. You know, you would be sitting there thinking, well, they just got lucky to get by that series. And You'd think it'd be like game seven. Yeah, they swept them, though. And on top yep. of that, every game they trailed, except for maybe game one, I think they trailed by at least 17 points in the second half. And yet, it's like how much, if you're playing the Warriors, how much do you need to be up by at halftime to even feel remotely comfortable that you can win the game? I think they they were down... Yeah, it was like 15 or 17, either second quarter, beginning of the third, in games two, three, and four, right? At and least. On each one of them, one went to overtime. The rest of them, they won by double digits. That's impressive. They kind of just sleepwalked through the first half. Portland blew its wad, and then they just took care of business. I mean, how crazy is it, like, looking back at the Western Conference playoffs, the fact that, I mean, it's clearly obvious that the Warriors' path and the and the Blazers' path was Very on, on completely different levels. Very different. No, but like looking back, isn't it crazy that you you see that the Clippers were the one team that punched them in the mouth and was like, yeah, they got beat, but they're like, we're not going away. It's the Clippers that put up the biggest challenge, even more than the Rockets or the Blazers. Well, that's when KD was playing with KD. Yeah. So maybe well, Clippers got that. Patrick Beverly in your face, scrappy, you know, tough jaw 
I was just, I was impressed. You're right, though. <laughs> the eight seeds, the one that gave them the toughest battle all the way through the Western Conference. That might have been more or less them just not taking them as serious as they should. I don't know. I mean, they're scrappy, though. I feel like they no, got. We've seen the Warriors flip the switch on and off. No, they can flip the switch on and off. But my point was, is I feel like, like, and I talked about it, that the Nuggets and the the Blazers, I was glad that one of them was going to be in the finals because the Western Conference finals because it's a new team. New faces. Exposure for that type of team. But then we realized real quick that it was pretty much over once they beat the, uh, the Rockets. Well, and, and here's the thing, though. Like, I'm with you. I'm ready to see, like, new people ascend to stardom. And, and I love the way Damian Lillard plays the game. I like the way Portland has taken that organic approach. They're growing their team right. the same way the Warriors once did. But – you know, everybody on the Blazers tried to step up in the finals except for Lillard. Yeah. Like he, their I'm a, star player. He might have been hurt. I, I get that. You'll never hear him make that excuse, you know, so I'll kind of make it for him. But the one guy you wanted to step up and, and, and show off, you know, we, we saw the game winning shot. They got memed to death with the crowd of people around him and Dame just with his head up looking like he's serious as a heart attack. Like, we're so far away from that now. He got ran out of the damn gym by the Warriors. Yeah, it is kind of crazy how quickly you forget about that big shot because it was so long ago type setup. They said that he has a separated rib, which would explain some of how lackluster he was in that series. But the other thing you got to remember, injured or not injured, he made no excuses. And you got Curry, who he has to chase around on one end, and then Clay, who will defend him or McCollum on the perimeter. Wasn't like it was an easy matchup for him. I mean, I'm going to say this. The Blazers, people need to watch out because they're not going away. They're like one wing player away from being right there in their face because people realize that Nurkic, he he was out for the year. Yeah. And they had no post-game presence whatsoever. And you put him in there, he's a double-double guy that they didn't have. Of course, I know you're going to talk about Boogie Cousins, but he ain't coming back. But Nurkic, he's going to be right back there. If they had one good wing player to three of the four, Myers com- Leonard, completely different uh, series. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just going to say one thing. I'd love to see the Blazers team that they have stay together and add a player like you were saying because it'd be real exciting. But I was seeing where they have like a tricky cap, tricky cap situation because Lillard's do a max contract this year or next year, or, or he could walk and uh, McCollum. They have like some of their key role players are going to become free agents. Like Seth Curry isn't a great player, but he was good off the bench for him. And they had a couple other guys. So they could, unfortunately, see some of their team break apart. Well, you got to let the role players go, man. Well, don't worry. The Warriors might end up going through the same thing. So right. we, we have no idea what this landscape is going to look like next year. True. KD to the Clippers. All right. We don't know who's coming out of the East, but do you see anybody beating the Warriors with or without KD? I don't. I think even without KD, they have so much of a – and it's weird for a team. It's almost like the Patriots this last year when they got into the playoffs. And, no, just listen. And all of a sudden they had a chip on their shoulder. It's like, okay, where'd that come from? That's the Warriors, <laughs> the defending champs. How do you have a chip on your shoulder like you feel disrespected when you're the champion? I think with or without KD, they would beat Toronto or Milwaukee. Good competitive series, but they would win – Worth or without KD. They need Iguodala healthier more than they need uh, KD, I think. I, and I know that sounds crazy, but just the way they play out. Oh, you're right. Need. 
I mean, yep. KD's as good as gone, so let's just plan that way. Yeah, I mean, I, he might have already packed up his bag. I will say this, though. I had one crawl, thought crossed my mind. Let's say that, like you said, he's, they swept the Western Conference. He comes back. They lose the finals, and he hears all this talk about how they're a better team. Would KD stay just because of his ego? Oh, no. His ego would be why he left because he'd be painted the villain. He'd be painted the bad I mean, guy. So you don't think he'd stay and be like, Warriors, I'll show Warriors them we're the better fans, team? Warriors fans said, we swept the Western Conference Finals and we struggled against the Clippers with you. And then you came back and we lost to the Finals. Go to New York. They'd go tell, be a They Nick. would kick him out of town, go, right? Go play for the Vancouver Grizzlies. I don't care. Yeah, with big country. <laughs> <laughs> what I think is if you want KD to leave Golden State, then you hope they win the title. For some reason, they lose the title with him playing. I think it's more likely he stays there. No. Because of his ego, right? No. Yeah. His, That's no, what I'm saying. He's too soft. He can't stand criticism. He can't take it when it's tough. He's going to go somewhere else. But if he can't take criticism and he's so soft, how is he going to handle New York or L.A. markets? He's, he's not. He's he in the he thinks area. he he thinks he can handle he it. He don't care. He's getting paid. He's getting paid. He's going to go wherever. He is. He's got enough uh, snaky sleeper accounts. He'll he'll survive. <laughs> those he said snaky sleeper accounts? Snaky sleepers. KD snaky sleepers. <laughs> That's what I'm calling. <laughs> What's that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> well, as the Warriors found a way to sweep the Blazers, I, I think we were sitting here. This time last week, thinking the Bucks were about to do the same exact thing to the Raptors. But now we're sitting here tied at two as neither team can win on the road. And I don't even know what to expect in this series now. Is Milwaukee going to be able to snap back the momentum? Is Toronto going to finally win on the road and kind of take control of this series? Is either of these teams even going to matter when it comes to Golden State? Uh, and and what the hell's going on with Drake? I, I mean, there's so many questions I need answered here. But but Mr. Brown, you you've been so high on the Bucks. I jumped on the bandwagon with you, so maybe it's my fault. Maybe I got on there and the bandwagon got too heavy, so it slowed down. But are, are your Bucks going to come out of this funk here? I mean, let's be clear. I didn't think the Bucks would sweep them. I thought it was going to be five six games. I don't remember what I said last week, but I didn't say a Fair sweep. Enough. I thought it would be five, six games. Now, to say that they had a chance against the Warriors, I think right now looking at it, it's asinine. But I think it was more the fan of me hoping that they had a chance against the Warriors, but I don't think they really do. I feel like the Bucks will still win in six, seven games, but I feel like the Raptors aren't going away quietly. And as far as what you said about Drake, he creeps me out. I feel like all he needs to do is put on a Bucks jersey and then the series is over. I mean, he can come over there and rub your shoulders. He could. That'd be <laughs> fine, too. The, the the thing for me was, like, Milwaukee was so dominant those first two games in, and then they like they go up to the north and they fall apart. And, and, and I'll say this, like, these are two really good teams. And, and for people that haven't paid attention – Toronto is fantastic. Kawhi Leonard is one of the best players in the league. We know about the Greek freak and things like that, but, but I mean, you know, let's, it's, it's not like watching, you know, a second round series go to seven games or something like that. These are two really good teams. I mean, Biggs, this is my thought. Like, and I never, I never agree with Colin Cowherd, but I feel like he hit it dead on today when I was listening to his show. It might've been yesterday, but he was like, I was watching this series and he was like, neither one of these teams are going to beat the Warriors. 
it don't really matter if it goes six, seven games. They're really just playing for second place. I mean, let's be real. Unless something crazy happens, but he was dead on. And it's a different level of play. Like, there's no there's no player. Like, Kawhi, he stepped up and did his thing, but everyone else in the Raptors is scared to death to take that winning shot. You got uh, Giannis, it can take over a game, but not from the perimeter. And they have some spot shooters here and there, but they're not consistent. It's the Warriors freaking season right now, like we should have said, way back in October. And here we are. Forget our hopes. I like, think we did. <laughs> we got our hopes all up because we didn't want them. But here we are. It's going to be the Warriors. This Eastern Conference really don't matter to me. What do you think, Biggs? From the first started on the Eastern Conference, I thought the Raptors would win after watching the Bucks in that second round series against the Celtics. I switched my my feeling towards the Bucks. I was so high on them. I feel like with the Bucks, they either beat a team by 20 or they lose. There's no in-between and even though they lost both in Toronto, they really should have won game three and been up 3 nothing. what, double overtime game. So I think they come back home, win, and then they either finish it in Toronto or it goes seven and they win, one of the two. I still think that the Bucs will win the series. I'm really impressed with Kawhi out there playing on a leg and a half a year after he's not tough enough, doesn't want to play, all that kind of stuff. A team that I'm the first guy to say he's jumping off of as soon as the season's over. I'm really impressed with him. Like, what? What's his injury technically? Like, what's wrong with him? Because they won't really say. And like, it's is it his thigh? Is it his knee? I mean, what's what's happening? It must be in that area they do with the uh, Patriots thing. It's a lower leg injury, or it's a lower body injury. <laughs> so, <laughs> it won't say anything. But, uh, you can always tie it back to the cheaters. I understand. So here, here's my here's my question though, like the the first three games, you're right. They should the Bucks should have won Game Three. Game Four was kind of an anomaly because the bench scoring changed like completely on its head. You know where where the Bucks were doubling up the Raptors bench, and then finally the Raptors bench got hot and did what they did. Abaka had his best game of the series, and they just had some things kind of go their way. And all that was with Leonard only scoring 19 points and kind of playing on a busted wheel. All that being said, I still think Milwaukee's the better team, but like you just lost two in a row. Like you got it, you got to go snatch that back. And, and like Toronto's a good team. Like I wouldn't put it past them to roll into Milwaukee and be able to if they steal this next game, man. I, I think the Bucks are done. I would I would agree with that. Second I mean, time all year Milwaukee's lost back to back games. If they don't win Game Five. They might as well not even go back to Toronto for game six unless they're looking to get a rub down. Like I know yeah. it's kind of cliche to say because the, the numbers show like 82% of the teams who win game five win the series, but uh, I think that's like 100% this series. Like whoever wins game five, it's over, right? Well, yeah, and I think it's even more so uh, on the Bucks end of it because losing two straight in Toronto, it's only the second time all year they've lost two straight. They go home and lose, it's done. If they go home and win, hey, the home team's held court every game. And we're looking, maybe we're going seven. I just, I think it, the emphasis is more on the Bucks to win game five than it is for the Raptors as far as potential of going seven games in the series. 
Well, I don't really feel like expending any more energy on this since we all pretty much agree that the Warriors are going to dominate whoever they end up playing out of the series. So all apologies to the Rafters and the Bucks fans out there. We love your teams. I mean, I, I do have one thing. Well. Katie's back. Uh, it'll be Warriors in seven. Or maybe Warriors losing six. I don't even know. So if Katie comes back, it might, it might change the complexity of that. It may change the game. So maybe that's what Drake needs to do. Go buy a Kevin Durant jersey. Wear that to the next game. Yeah, like a voodoo doll. <laughs> Absolutely. So before we completely abandon NBA talk for the remainder of the show, the the thing that's been all over sports talk radio on ESPN and whatever outlet you want to, you want to find your, your sports news at has been magic Johnson on first take this week. Absolutely. Just throwing the Lakers organization under the bus and Mr. Brown, I'm sure you got some comments on it, but Biggs, I would really like to hear what your thoughts are and who's the bad guy here. Is it is it one, the other, is it both? Like what what what's what's your take on this whole thing? Man, I'm behind Magic. You got to come out. The Lakers are a dysfunctional organization. From what he said on Monday, the same day they're introducing what was a kid Vogel, whoever they're calling the head coach. No one in that organization has come out since then. Publicly, I haven't heard Jeannie Buss, Robbie, Palinka, LeBron. On either side of there's like no voice within the Lakers organization. I think what Magic is saying, people don't want to hear, especially from one of your greats. I mean, if Patrick Ewing came out and was talking negatively about the Knicks, it wouldn't be taken well. Although, you know, James Dolan sucks. I- but to hear one of your greats kind of trash your organization in the way that he's done it, it's disappointing, but man, they're a dumpster fire. I mean, I, I will, I won't argue that whatsoever. I will not say that they're not exactly that a dumpster fire. They are a hot mess, but there, there there's something that's very peculiar around this whole thing that, that I just find kind of amusing. And it's one, it's magic Johnson talking about how he doesn't want to give up his business ventures. I make too much money doing that stuff. That, you know, it's not worth it for me to come be the the president of the Lakers. But, you know, so he apparently worked out this deal with Jenny Buss where, you know, he didn't have to give all that stuff up. But yet, if you rewind the tape and you go back to when they announced Magic Johnson taking over the role, he talked about how he had to separate himself from some of his business ventures and things like that. And he was dedicated in to, to focusing on the Lakers. And, and I don't care what team you are, but especially if you're the Lakers, like this is a this is a 90 hour 100 hour a week job. Like there's no way you can go into it and just kind of be there. And I'm sure the stuff with Palinka, you know, saying, "Oh, is magic here? Oh, he's not here again today. Oh, he's not here again today." I'm sure that happened because if I'm there busting my ass for it, I'd be pissed about it too. Rob Palinka's a bitch, but you want to know what the <laughs> magic as president of basketball operations kind of reminds me of? Remember when Dan Marino was like the president of football operations for like three days for the Dolphins? And in the opening press conference, it was, this is a figurehead position. It was kind of like that for Magic. He was president, but now he couldn't tamper legally. Or it was illegal to say what he wanted to say and all that sort of stuff. Who's to say that he's not just living off of his ego and his reputation within basketball and the Lakers? We don't know what type of work Magic was putting in or what type of work he wasn't putting in. He's still affiliated with the Dodgers. So who's to say he's even doing part of his job? So Palenka may have had a reason to be pissed off. Yeah, he did what he did back in the 80s and early 90s, but 
Palenka may be pissed off because he's trying to build a championship right now and he didn't feel like Magic was contributing. We don't know that. We're not there. He may have simply been living off the past. I don't know that either, but I would like to think that's probably true. And, and like, I'm a Magic Johnson fan. I really am. But the one thing about Magic Johnson is he tremendously cares what people think about him. Oh, absolutely. That is the whole reason why he came on this show. You know, because he wanted to make, he wanted to try to set the record straight in his mind, which all it's going to do is just make it worse. But there, there's perceptions, reality. Like Magic Johnson's the guy you see on TV, but the Lakers wanted Irvin Johnson to be the president of basketball operations, but he wanted to be Magic Johnson. Like right. what Biggie said, he, he, Wanted to be the guy that might have been borderline tampering and things like that because he likes being a mentor. He likes being involved. He is so much more comfortable being a smiling guy on camera than he is a behind-the-scenes workhorse. And I think ultimately, you know, shame on Jeannie Buss for for even thinking that he might be able to do this part-time because that's a stupid decision. Shame on Magic Johnson for accepting it, for thinking that he could do it part-time. And then shame on everybody for acting like this wasn't a screwed up, convoluted, hot mess from the beginning. I mean, just because you're Magic Johnson don't mean it's going to translate into success in that type of a position. So anyone who thought that was going to happen, they were just like completely in left field. Well, what other players have been like success? you got to be like a Larry Bird. He was an all-time great as a player. He did it as a coach. He did it as a front office man. He put the time in, dedicated, workhorse. MJ, as a general manager, was a joke. He wouldn't be able to coach. He's suited as an owner. He should put better, better people in place. That's magic, too. He's your owner. He's your smile. He's your, you know, talk the people up, franchise, that kind of. He's involved in too many things outside of a job such as, you know, president or general manager to put he don't want to put 90 hours a week into that. Are you kidding me? He's Magic Johnson. <laughs> well, you kind of hit on something I was going to ask. Like, how many former players have been successful general managers in any sport? Like, you mentioned the Dan Marino thing, and that kind of went away. You know, you mentioned Jordan and, and Bird, which I think Bird had tremendous success, honestly. Jordan obviously didn't. I, I guess you got Danny Ainge. Uh, that's kind of done a decent job. Not John Paxton. No, not John Paxton. Uh, What about John Elway? I mean, is Jerry out on him? He can't even find a quarterback. Or is he a bust? A bust. Did you see where the the Jets were, like, entertaining the idea about who they wanted to come in and be their GM? No. You know, it's perfect that you'd bring that up. I'm sorry to interrupt, but they were talking about Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, that is a perfect example of Magic Johnson. Peyton Manning's doing these things you see on TV. He's got a hundred different things going on. Why would he's he got his brand? Yeah, why he's magic. He's like the next magic. Why does he want to put 90 hours a week into the general manager job when he can be right. himself and make gajillions? Well, he's not, you know, so they, they, I guess they moved on from that, but I, you know, I guess they, they think if you're a good player or you're a smart player, then you might be, you know, good enough in that position. And I, I think it's, it's different than coaching, you know, e- even with that being a comparison, because, you know, a, a good player still might be able to be a good coach, but a good coach and a good player may not necessarily be a good GM. I mean, Phil Jackson couldn't run the Knicks to save his life. Neither could Isaiah Thomas. Maybe that's just because it's the Knicks and they're terrible. But, I mean, I I can almost cite more examples of where people have failed than where they've done really well. Your middling NBA players or 
guys you know who could be in the league six, seven, eight years. For whatever reason, like a, a Jerry Sloan, Steve Kerr, or some of these guys, they turn out to be a lot better head coaches. Look at Jason Kidd. He's already been in, in and out of uh, two job positions. I just think that, like you said, just because you were great on the court, you can't expect people to have that same desire and passion that you do. You still have to motivate people. It's a different, it's just a whole different world when you're a coach or a GM. So, so moving to the head coach discussion, just real quick, you know, I, I don't know if we touched on it last week or not, but John Beeline leaving the University of Michigan takes a job with the Cleveland Cavs. I know a lot of people probably look at that and say, why the hell would you take a job with the Cleveland Cavs? Well, for one, you know, I think he's what, is he 67 years old? Is that how old he is? I mean, he, he's up there. Yeah, he's like either 66, about to turn 67, or is 67. Right, so... You know, your your lifelong dream has always been to excel at every level of coaching and to move up the ranks. And for whatever reason, you know, the longest school he ever stuck around anywhere was at Michigan. He was there for over 10 years. And was he there that long? Yeah, he was there that long. I don't feel like it. No, it's crazy. Well, All right. But he was, he was there for 11 years, I believe. Okay. And then, you know, he, he finally got an opportunity. Now, let's be frank, the assistant general manager for the Cavs is a former Beeline player with Mike Gansey. So, I mean, I'm sure that probably helped, you know, make that transition. But I guess Beeline flirted with, like, the Magic and the Pistons and some other teams in the past year or two. So, I mean, it, it was time. And, and, you know, at this at this point, at this stage of your life, like, beggars can't be choosers, right? NBA, you know, franchise wants to hire you, you take it. Uh, you know, so I wish him the best. His teams are going to be terrible. And he'll probably go three years and get fired. And that's not a, a, a disrespect. You're being generous. Yeah, yeah, it, it might be very generous, but I, I don't. Not not disrespect toward him. It's just he's going into a bad situation. Unless LeBron brings his talents back, I think it'll be hey. too late. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'll definitely get him. Fired. LeBron Junior. Okay. <laughs> he might. Well, either way, but they're either way he's fired. <laughs> if he if he's three and done, then he's out at the age of seventy, as a multimillionaire. Yeah, he'll be all right. Good for him, right? You know, like, he, he was our coach. He left and went to Michigan. I mean, I've always liked Beeline. Excellent coach, excellent person. I just, I hope that he does well, but he's not going to. So, did you see who Michigan hired today? No, who'd they hire? Oh, you haven't seen this oh, yet. Oh, wow. Wait, yeah, let's just play a game. Get, you, got, you got three guesses. Give me your first guess. Uh, Patrick Beeline Jr.? No, he's at Niagara. But good, good try. Uh, Who's your second guess? Juwan Howard. Oh, winner, winner, chicken dinner. There you go. He was endorsed that, by many within the NBA, so that means definitely succeeded Michigan. Tab <laughs> five reunion. I, I mean, I guess all he's been is an assistant with the Heat. Is that correct? Eric Spolstra has uh, backed him. Talked him up big time for the last three or four years. There was rumor that he had an opportunity within NBA circles, correct? That's something I'm making. I, I, I don't know. I'll buy it. I'll buy what you're selling there. But but my, my question is, what makes you think that an NBA assistant coach is going to be successful at a major Power 5 school as a college basketball coach? Because Chris Mullen and Patrick Ewing have both went back to their alma maters and been insanely successful. So we know that Michigan's going to continue upon the same path they've been with John Beeline 
because they have a Fab Five guy in there. It's guaranteed. <laughs> so this is the opposite of the general manager conversation, right? If you're a former player, you go back to college and coach, you're going to be awesome. You know, I kind of think that year one or two obviously would be fairly rough, but if he can learn kind of how to recruit, I mean, you're at Michigan, you're Juwan Howard, you should be able to get some good talent in, and it's just whether or not you're an idiot if you know how to coach. <laughs> I mean, I feel like he's his heart's obviously in Michigan because, like, that's where he went. I feel like he's passionate about it. So that that's the first step. I feel like, secondly, can he recruit, which you touched on. So if he, he, if he becomes a good recruiter, can get the players there for the program, and he's passionate about it, he knows basketball, I feel like they're going to be successful. I mean, we don't know if all that's going to happen, but we'll see. I, I feel like it's a good hire for Michigan, and we'll see what happens because it's not like they just hired somebody off the street with no coaching experience. He's been coaching as an assistant in NBA, so I, I applaud the move. Doesn't have head coach experience. No, that's fine. But so who was the who was the coach who was the coach they tried to get or they were looking at that? I don't know if he turned down the job, but he said he was staying where he was. It was uh, was it the Providence coach? Yeah, Ed Cooley. No, but you brought up head coaching experience. How many NBA teams lately in the last five years have hired coaches without head coaching but experience? this isn't the NBA. No, let me finish. But it's not the NBA. NBA teams have no problem throwing money at a coach to be their head coach with no head coaching experience. Especially LeBron's teams. I feel like absolutely this guy, if his head's in the right place, if things fall as they may, he can absolutely be a good college coach because the college and NBA are two different levels. I'm not saying he's not going to be. I'm just saying I, I have no basis to say one way or the other that he's going to be successful because Patrick Ewing – and to say Patrick Ewing has been ultra successful at Georgetown. No, that's, that's untrue. That, that's, a, that's a reach right there. Right. Uh, Chris Mullen just left his job at St. John's. I was, so I don't even know what the hell Biggie's talking about. I was just <laughs> curious if either one of you were paying any attention. Hey, so let me ask you this. Do you think that Michigan will make the tournament this year? Yeah, probably. Because of holdover talent? Well, I, mean, I don't know how much holdover talent they had. I'd have to look at it. But the Big Ten is not, not typically a very deep basketball All right, so conference. let's take it a step further. In the next five years, do you think they'll make the tournament three out of five years? Ooh. Yeah. In Michigan. Yeah, I'll give them, I'll give them three out of five. To me, that's a success. That, that's a that's – a, that's a high push, I would say three. Definitely not more than that. All I right. think they'll miss a couple. All right. That's, that would be a success for him as a new head coach, but it would be a downward trend for what Beeline has done over the last. Right. Year. Absolutely. So how is the Michigan faithful going to react if year two they don't make the tournament, they don't make the NIT, and they only win 14 games? Like Rich Rod, like, let's get him out of here. Get the lynch mob after his ass. He's a Michigan man. He is a Michigan man. You got your Michigan man, you mother. You know, I was listening to the radio today, and I flipped through, and Rich Eisen was on, and he went to Michigan, Michigan homer, and he was all over it. Loved it as a head coaching hire. Bring back a guy, Michigan guy, has some experience as an assistant. See what he can do as opposed to trying to just find Ed Cooley. So we'll see. The most I, I'm just going to say this. The, radio the, is the, the best day on the job Juwan Howard has is today. Every day from here on out will not be as good as today. 
So now, how does that work if you're there and they, like, invalidate everything that you did, but then you can be head coach? He can redo and undo and hang banners and stuff? (laughs) Uh, I I would say the best (laughs) thing for uh, Howard is looking around, realizing that hopefully his players won't call a timeout that they don't have. Wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) He's really sensitive about that, The uh, Mr. Weber is. Uh, I think that's the best thing for him. That ain't going to happen again. I'll tell you what, if you ever want to try to get a lot of money, go up to Chris Weber in person and ask him that, and you might be able to get a civil suit against him for physical altercation. Oh, that's awesome. That's good to know. Just in case. C-Web's defense. Go back and look at the tape. When he gets the ball in the backcourt, the shot from behind him, there's people on his bench with their hands up signaling timeout. Oh, but hold up, real quick. It's the coach's fault. So he really gets that mad when you mention that to him? Oh, yeah. He, no, he, because you saw the cameo they had on Uncle Drew. Wait, wait, but you were you were watching 30 for 30, though, right? Okay. Like, have you seen the 30 for 30 Fab Five? Yeah. Chris Weber was not on there. Okay. Oh. Like, He's, he wouldn't even talk about it. Yeah. No, but my point was... He might be able to joke about it with these friends. He's got control over that. He's having fun with yeah. it or whatever. But if you went up and asked him, why, why'd you call Tom out? What's wrong with you? You know, oh, he's he's going to give you that look. He's going to look like Debo from Friday on you. No, I just thought it was funny in that movie. At the very end of the movie, they were like, how many timeouts are there? Yeah. Like, There's one. There's no timeouts, whatever it was. Uh, and that's, that's all well and good, but... I, I, I just thought, thought it was cool. He joked about it. it that's uh, that's in that's in Hollywood. Though. I got gotcha. you. That's a preacher saying. man, <laughs> right? Yeah, Exercising his demons. Was, that's exactly what he was doing. Yeah, there exercise that demon. As we approach Memorial Day, the most prestigious trophy in all the sports, possibly the Stanley Cup. The verdict's still out, damn it, on our poll. Okay. <laughs> all right. What a crowning, the crowning. <laughs> Either way, the Stanley Cup is about to be determined. It was leading last I checked. Hey, it's an awesome trophy. And the fact that people eat cereal and get their babies baptized in it, that is, that is some nice. cool stuff there. But, you know, we haven't had Bonehammer on the show in a while and honestly you know we don't know sports but specifically we sure as hell don't know hockey and bone hammer is going to join us here in a second to try to bring some type of integrity back to the show around the winter sport but you know where where we last left off you know we we were still in the uh, second round and and bone hammer made a bunch of egregious picks pretty much if you listened to the show and you liked one of the teams that were still in the playoffs and he said it out loud they were pretty yeah. much done in the next couple of days now, some of that didn't make the light of air, thankfully, but the curse still endured no matter what. Uh, you know, last time I checked, I know we're, we're looking at the Blues and the Bruins. The Bruins swept the, the Hurricanes on their way into the playoff, or the Stanley Cup, I mean. The Sharks, who Bonehammer was very high on, did not make it into the Stanley Cup. Instead, it was the St. Louis Blues. And if uh, I heard Canadian Biggie correctly, how many years has it been? I think it's 49 years. Something like that. I mean... More than I am old, I know yeah, that much. So that years. means we've never seen the St. Louis Blues in the Stanley Cup Finals. So joining us now with a gorgeous mullet and a brand new man cave is from North Dakota, the Bone Hammer. How's it going, brother? Oh, it's going, boys. How's it going, man? It's going all right, but uh, hopefully you can try to educate us here a little bit and 
you know, we're not going to hold your, your past picks against you or anything like that, but how, how are you feeling about these Stanley Cup finals? This is – honestly, this playoffs has just been – I don't even remember the last time I've seen this crazy of a playoffs. This made teams getting swept. It's It's just unbelievable. Well, on top of that, did I hear correctly that St. Louis was in last place back in February? January. January 4th, they were in last place in the whole NHL. All right, so this is an unprecedented run then, right? So we so we had an unprecedented season by the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they did a choke job, and now we have a team going from worst to first, essentially. So, I mean, this is uh, this is definitely unique, and I don't even follow hockey, but it seems like absolute chaos. It is. It is absolute chaos. Those are great words. <laughs> so everybody always tells me that the Stanley Cup playoffs might be the best playoff format in all of sports, outside of the horrible seeding that we determined they did. But but as far as excitement and the way the series go and things like that, so with all the chaos, has it been a good playoff series or is it just different? Uh, it's a little bit of both. It's I, I like the craziness of it. I mean, that's that's every... NHL playoffs, but this this has been a little crazy with a dash of something else. So so it's not being particularly hardcore hockey fans between uh, myself and Mr. Brown here. What what would we have to look forward to in this series? What what do you think's going to happen? What's going to transpire? And as me uh, a less than casual viewer, what would draw me in and make me want to watch this? Well, I think the rat Brad Marchand. I, I think he's just uh people love to hate him for obvious reasons. He's just he's just a pest, just a pain in the ass. I people love to hate him for that. I personally I hate him being a Pence fan, but I, I think I think he is fun to watch, honestly. I mean, this is Mr. Brown, okay? Dumb it down for me. Who is this guy you just mentioned of and what the hell does he do? I'm guessing the Bruins. What does he do? Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, Bramishon, he plays for the plays for the Bruins. He's right. uh the biggest pest in the NHL. What does that mean? Uh, what does he do? He's he's just a pain in the ass. He'll he'll get in your face. <laughs> last year he'll uh last year he uh licked uh, a guy right in the face. So that was like the Bushwhackers? So so to me, what pops in my mind is like a Dennis Rahman, Draymond Green type that you love to play with but hate to play against. Is that fair? Oh, that's fair, but like times ten. Okay. Oh, wow. All right. Well, go ahead. Sorry, I got a picture now. Go ahead. Of Rodman and skates. Yeah. In a, in a dress. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I'm looking forward to is Jordan Bennington. He's a rookie goalie who plays for the Blues. To see how he plays in the Stanley Cup, uh, I think is going to be real interesting. They the Blues are just a just a hardworking team, and they're I think they're really fun to watch. So who's going to win? How about that? Who who are you going to give the kiss of death right now to? Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, they don't want to hear this. Okay. Well, in the Eastern Conference, every team who has swept their team that they play against has been swept the next the next series. That's insane. Okay. So I'm going to go with the Bruins. All right. <laughs> <laughs> You're going now. They just they just swept. Yeah, the, they the just hurricanes. so they're going to reverse the curse. I think they will. I think they'll reverse the curse. That's because they're in the west, right? No, no, they're in the east. So no one, they're Boston. Come on. The oh, Boston. the Bruins. Bruins. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. 
All right, so how many games? I only say it goes seven games. Oh, well, so he's not confident about it, but I do know this much. He just made a statement about he who gets swept typically sweeps before. So it sounds to me like the Blues are going to come in here and sweep the Bruins and that you're just, you know, messing this up for all Bruins fans everywhere. Yeah, I'm picking the Blues. I don't know shit about it. (laughs) I mean, 49 years, baby, they do. I'm rooting for the Blues. Uh, last time the Blues played in the Stanley Cup, it was actually against Boston. Uh, or in the Stanley the, Cup, I mean. In did, the they win, Cup. did they win the no, last time they were in it? No, the Bruins won. I don't know if you've seen the – it's called the dive. It's like the, the greatest photo in NHL history. Right, keep where, talking. I'm going to Google it. But keep okay. talking. Bobby Orr. He uh, scores the the series clinching goal to clinch the Stanley Cup, and he dives over this. I don't remember the the blue that he dived over, but it's just the most. I think it's it's one of the greatest moments in all of sports. Uh, it looks photoshopped. Yeah. I can't we even should, tell what's happening. That's got to be on our page tomorrow. Well, I'm saving it right now. What what is, what is happening in this picture with Bobby Orr and this horizontal verticality he's showing off? <laughs> I mean, it's simple, something as simple as, like, these teams last played 49 years ago. You know, who's winning this series? I don't know. You know what this looks like? If I have to I'm caption, going with the Blues, baby. If I have to caption this photo of Bobby Orr, though, it's like a classic, like, 80s action movie. Yeah, you're right. That's the cop buddy right. jumping in front. No, yeah, in slow mo. Yeah, yeah, you're right. All right, so bone hammer. I'm gonna go blues and six. All right, I, I respect. I I could totally see that happening. Is there anything you want to do on the camera as a result of your lost bet? I mean, do you want to eat some spicy ramen or anything? I can ship you some. <laughs> I don't know if I'm that confident. To- We're trying to warm you up, man. That's all. We're looking out for you. Hey, I know all this right. much. I'm taking all my Uber money from today, and I'm going straight to the dog track and putting some money on the blues. Nice. <laughs> I, I would do nice. that, too. <laughs> nice. Only you wouldn't. Maybe it's reverse psychology. Maybe he really thinks it's the blues, but knowing that he's going to curse whoever he picks, it's right, well, just going to happen. There don't have to be no real bet. I'm picking the blues in six, and we're going to talk about this once the series is over. All right. All right, so it starts on Monday. What do they play every other day, or how long? Does, how, how long do we expect this series to go? It, yeah, it's every other day, and I think they so they get an extra. Break. They get an extra day for travel. Yeah, I, it's something like that. I don't know exact. I don't know the schedule offhand, but yeah, they they usually get an extra day for travel. All right, so we probably got about two weeks. So so not next week, but the week after, we'll we'll get you back on the show and. See how much of a uh, madman you really are. Okay. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, hey, I got one thing for him. Oh, my bad. No, that that Pittsburgh Penguins uh, banner back there is just drawing my attention. So, I got one question. Have you have you watched the game in Pittsburgh? Not in Pittsburgh, no. I... All right. So here's my proposition for you. Okay, you get Mister Canadian Biggs to head down to West Virginia and visit during hockey season. And you come with him, and I will personally pay for your ticket to go to Pittsburgh Penguins game in Pittsburgh. Is that fair? That's that's very fair. Because that's only a three-and-a-half, four-hour drive for me. So if you can get your ass down here, by all means, I'm coming with 
But we're going to go to the uh, Penguins game together. We need to take the show on the road. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah that's that's fair. Yeah, I'll pay for your ticket. We'll I mean, because to me, I think that would probably be like a. Uh, that's an investment in. in I think that's like a bucket before. list item for you. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I would love to go to Pittsburgh. For then bring it, game. bring your ass on down here to West by God, and we're going to go. Okay. All right. Deal. Fair enough. Now, if you had to pick a team, who would they need to play? The Flyers. Nice. Well, it looks like the Islanders are the cheapest ticket, so that's probably what we're going to do. All right, brother. We appreciate you as always, and we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. So I know it's a long season, and not everybody keeps up with it, but I think the three of us have been pretty loyal, at least following our teams. But if you've been paying attention around the world of Major League Baseball, the Yankees, despite being hurt, miraculously are in first place now and, and look like they have no no signs of slowing down. The Twins are 32-16, and 16, if you let that sink in for a minute. The Astro, Astros are in first place. They have a 99 Positive run differential. That's tops in the major league. And then in the NL, you pretty much just got the Dodgers and then everybody else. So anything other than that stand out to you guys so far as we approach Memorial Day and we're, we're getting through the first quarter of the season here? Isn't Bellinger hitting about 400? He's over 400, but go ahead. That, that's impressive. That's what sticks out to me then. So I, there's no way he keeps up that pace though, right? I don't think so, but he's hitting 400 at Memorial Day. I mean, you're two months into the season. That's, to me, home runs, everything is really impressive. But that consistent level, I mean, that's just amazing. One for one for three is a bad day for him. All right, so I'm, I'm going to run through the divisions real quick, the things that surprise me, uh, if you don't mind. Knock yourself out. You got the Yankees, 31-17. They've got like 12 players on the DL, it's, or I'm sorry, the I, our, IL, whatever it's called, injured list. They got guys not playing. And they're still up, right? And when they get full strength, watch out for the Yankees, who I predicted to win the freaking AL East. I mean, they're not even rushing their guys. Oh, back. no, absolutely not. They're doing well. You got the Rays hanging out, 28-18. Great job by Kevin Cash, who I best, absolutely love. Best ERA in Major League Baseball. Oh, I love Kevin Cash. But everyone wants to watch out. The children in Boston aren't eating, but they're starting to eat again. They're over 500. And here's the thing. They're, they may not win their division. I'm not saying they won't. They possibly could. But they're going to – Boston Red Sox are going to win a wild card at minimum. Take it to the bank. All right, let's move on to the Central. They're, they're climbing. The Red Sox are going to the – at least to the playoffs. The Twins, who I loved as a wild card, they're really crazy. 32 and 16. The Indians, they're underachieving. They're barely over 500. <laughs> With that staff, the Indians should be way above that because they're healthy. Underachievers. They're just underachieving. Correct. And Twins are going to just dominate the rest of that division. I mean, they should. I love the Twins. They will, and they, they are and will continue to do so. I love the Twins. I said it from day one. The Astros, no, no freaking surprises there. Seattle started out strong, and now they're six games under 500. That's Houston's division. No wild card there. Let's switch over to the uh, National League. You got the Phillies finding their way in first place. You got the Braves in contention for a wild card. 
Same thing with the Brewers and the Cubs right there. The whole the whole NL Central for the record. And I want I want to I want to point this out to all Chad, DeMarc and all the Reds fans. <laughs> Everyone in the NL Central is 500 or better except, except for, the for the Reds. But they're only 7 games out. So 8 games now. Oh, like Screw the Reds. Your hope was freaking like the great white hope. You can't dunk just like the white man can't jump. So just get over your freaking fake false narrative. Mr. The Reds Brown, suck. It's it's May. Calm down. No, the Reds suck. It's May. You're going to be in last place. The only team that's going to save you is the Pirates. And they're going to save us. Well, you're going to be fourth place. Congratulations. <laughs> in the NL West, you got the Dodgers. They're the head of the game. They're going to win the division. And the Padres, who I absolutely love and admire, they're falling with that uh, farm system. They're two games over five hundred. They're going to hang around. I'm telling you, they're fun to watch because Tatis has been out for three weeks. Yep, he has. That was that's a big blow. That was that was nasty looking. So Colorado's under or underperforming, and you got the Dodgers. So I'm saying the Dodgers winning a division. You got the Cubs. One of those teams is going to win a wild card, and then I'd say one of the teams in the East is going to win a what's, wild card. What's Colorado in their last 10? I feel like they're rising a little bit. Yeah, they're 5-5. Five and five. They're 5-5. Five and five. Well, they're, Great lineup, no pitching. Well, that's a lot of teams in that division. So, to me, the cream of the crop, like you said, is the Dodgers, and then the Astros right now. I mean, right now, I mean, it's hard to say the Twins because it's the Twins. Right. But they're right there. But I mean, it's like the AL. You got some sprinters right now. You got some guys getting out right. there. The NL. You got one guy that's sprinting, and everybody else tripped each other at the starting line. Dodgers and everybody else. That's exactly it. Absolutely. Right. And I hate to say it because I hate the Dodgers. Oh, I hate the Dodgers too. I'm sure Magic Johnson's sleeping in their office too. <laughs> Hundred hours a week. <laughs> oh, I, I can't take it. And Kershaw's a shell of himself, and they're still beating everybody. All right, we're going to try out a new segment. We're, we're a little bit at heart wrestling fans, even if it was a long time ago and, and all, all the glory years have passed. But one of the things about professional wrestling is you have good guys and you have bad guys, or as the industry insiders say it, you got heels and you faces. Got heels. So we're going to start with our faces of the week. These are the guys that we're so excited about or somebody that did something great that we just feel like sharing it because, you know what, they had the power to move us. And I'm going to start off and actually keep it in the world of professional wrestling. And my face of the week is the promotion AEW, who is about to do their second, well, really their first official pay-per-view, the second as these guys have been together. They just announced a deal with TNT. They're going to be coming back on a, uh, TNT's coming back into the world of professional wrestling for the first time in 20 years. They're full of a, a roster that a lot of casual fans will never know, but I'm excited to see wrestling come back in a form outside of WWE and hopefully give me a little bit of that old school mentality and give me something fun to watch. But anyway, their second uh, pay-per-view first one was in Chicago. They sold out in like 20 minutes. It was all in. They're following it up with double or nothing. So if you want to support a uh, new wrestling promotion and you're tired of the enterprise, that is the WWE. You have AEW double or nothing this Saturday on pay-per-view. My face of the week is Kawhi Leonard, and it's kind of personal for me because I'm the first guy to tell you as soon as Toronto season ends, the next time you see him in Toronto is a member of the LA Clippers. For a guy who was dogged last year, faked injuries, wouldn't play, 
wanted out of San Antonio, could have played but didn't play. They had the Ginobili thing, the Parker thing. I played. The Dockers are good, this, that, and the other. Hobbling around, playing 52 minutes in game three on one leg for a team that he's getting ready to jump out of there as soon as he can. Struggling through game four. Being a leader, an all-star, superstar. Love seeing it. All right, well, I'm, I'm going to go full homer mode on my uh, face face of the week. Sorry, I'm not <laughs> a big wrestling guy anymore because the, the product on the field now is crap. Hulk Hogan's 70 years old. It hurts. It does hurt. So my face, you got to remind me because wrestling sucks once again, is homer mode, and it's Mike Soroka for the Atlanta Braves. He's a Canadian, and he is the man, and he broke a record. Uh, he, his first seven, eight starts – was uh, one run or less. He's actually leading the National League in earn run average right now, which many casual fans wow. wouldn't know. And this past week, he went eight innings against the Giants and gave up one earned run, and his ERA actually went up. <laughs> I did not know he was leading the National he League. He is. Look it up. I knew he was up there. His ERA right now is around one even, because before that Giants start, it was zero ninety eight. Oh, well. He gave up one run in eight innings, and now it went up. He shouldn't have given up their run. Yeah, so... I'm telling you right now, I'm a Braves fan, but casual Bra- or casual baseball fans look out because this guy's going to be mentioned. Not only I don't think he's got enough time in for uh, to not. I think he's going to be in the Rookie of the Year running, and I also think he's going to be in the Cy Young. Oh, so we got a Cy Young watch. Exactly. All right. I'm telling you, the dude is legit. Say his and, name one more time for everybody. Mike Soroka. Mike Soroka. And he pitches to contact. He's not one of those hitter or pitchers that wants to like strike everybody out. He he throws his stuff. He's he's very aggressive with it, and he's confident in it. He wants you to have a weak ground ball to second, rolling over on it. He's fine with the contact because he's one of those pitchers that can go low pitch counts and have a complete game and still finish the game. Are they shift happy with him in the game? Not so far. So he's just true, just. You're going to ground out to somebody. Oh, absolutely. So just watch out for that name is all I'm saying. All right, my heel of the week is Damian Lillard. And I know he might have been playing a little banged up or whatever, but your team just got swept. You're supposed to be making the next step to your level of superstardom to where everybody knows you, not just people in the isolated Pacific Northwest and diehard NBA fans. You had your chance. You had the defending champs on the ropes multiple times, and while tons of your teammates stepped up and had good games at different spots, you were nowhere to be found. You underperformed. You went down every series in performance, and when it mattered the most, you were nowhere to be seen. So I'm disappointed you went from hitting that amazing shot to win the game, and everyone was mobbing you on the court, and you were the stone-faced killer. You know what? I love Damian Lillard for his for his want to to stay up there in Portland and try to build something. But come on, man. You were on the biggest stage of your career. You were in the conference finals, and you laid an egg. You are the hill of the week to me because all you did was crank up that Warriors dynasty for one more run. So thanks a lot, Damian Lillard. My hill of the week goes back to the wrestling business. For a guy who was never a wrestler himself, gets to make decisions, was a great heel when wrestling was good. What the hell are you thinking, Vince? That whole no chance in hell when I walk in thing? You just told every wrestler underneath of you, that's your damn thing. Brock's been building up. I'm done with this shit. I'm going to the UFC for two years. 
comes in, doesn't take a damn bump, and you give him money in the bank. What the hell are you doing? So you're mad at Vince McMahon for booking Brock Lesnar to be the Money in the Bank winner. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> damn. All right. I mean, that's compelling. So I can't really, I can't know how I'm going to follow that up. But my hero of the week is uh, Steph Curry. And I will tell you why. I like how I have Dame and you have Steph. Yeah, that's good. It's on the opposite ends of the spectrum from Chad to Mark because basically I'm pissed off that Steph Curry made me look like a damn fool. He did. All right, so everyone wrote him off. Everyone forgot about Dre. They forgot about Steph, and here he is. He's over here averaging, what was it, 36 and a half points a game. That's correct. For the freaking Western Conference Finals. He says, I am the dude, and I don't care if my wife don't get satisfied. I'm going to satisfy the NBA <laughs> universe. Here I am dropping threes, changing the game. Guess what? I'm winning another championship. Mr. Brown, you're a moron. And I am the heel of the week, Steph Curry. So you hate Steph Curry because he made your prediction of him falling flat without KD make you look like a complete imbecile. Made me look like a damn fool. <laughs> uh, he does not pity the fool. Yeah, exactly. And that's why he's a heel. Stay in drugs, kids. Don't do school. Hey, everybody, don't forget to follow along and like us on your favorite social media platforms. If you're a Facebook fan, just search for We Don't Know Sports, the podcast. If Twitter is more your thing, you can find our handle at We Don't Sports. You can go old school and drop us a line through our email box. The address there is We Don't Know Sports at Yahoo.com. This podcast is hosted by the company SoundCloud and is available on Google Play and iTunes, Apple Podcasts everywhere. Please be sure to subscribe to get notifications whenever new episodes are available. Hello.